He was an ugly gray dog with long silken soft ears and a bushy tail. He was born in a splendid stable that belonged to a rich man. This rich man lived on a large estate in which were fields and meadows. And in these fields grew sugarcane, in great quantities, great, round, smooth canes that contained the sweet sugar. On the sugar plantations worked hundreds of negroes, men and women, and the negroes belonged to the rich man who had bought them in the market as he would buy cattle, for this story happened long ago, in those days when slavery existed in America. The rich man could do anything he wished with his slaves. If he was in a bad mood he would permit them to be whipped, if they dared to protest against this cruel treatment they were more cruelly punished, they were stripped naked, smeared with honey, and tied to a tree. The smell of the honey attracted the bees that came in large swarms, settled on the body of the slave, sucked the honey, and stung the bound man till he collapsed with pain. Also, the master could sell his slave, did this frequently, without the least consideration, tearing mother from child, separating man and wife, sister and brother. The poor negroes were completely helpless, they had to work all day long in the hot sun, received very poor food, lived in wretched huts, separated from the house of the rich man by a mighty river. Here lived the negroes, crowded together, the children played about in front of these huts, played happily, because they did not yet know that they were slaves and that a hard, difficult life awaited them. In one of the negro huts arrived the little gray dog, who had been born in the splendid stable, and this is how it happened. Once when the rich man walked through the stable, he noticed the little gray dog who was playing in the straw. He examined the little dog, and said angrily to the coachman, What is this ugly little creature doing here in my beautiful stable? Take it out, drown it in the river. The coachman promised to do this, indeed he pitied the lively little animal, but the master was strict and he did not dare to disobey the command. He called the little dog, who came running joyously, and started toward the river. As he came near the homes of the slaves, a little black boy ran out of one of the huts and cried, Oh, the lovely little animal! Where are you taking it? And he ran quite close to them and patted the dog, who mischievously jumped at him, barking. I must drown the dog, answered the coachman. At that the eyes of the little boy filled with tears, he took the dog in his arms, held him close, and begged, Don't do it, just see how darling he is. I must do it, Benjamin. The master has commanded me. If I don't obey him he will punish me severely. The little gray dog licked Benjamin's face, looked at him with his large eyes that seemed to implore him, Save me, save me. Give me the dog, pleaded Benjamin. I will hide him well so that the master will not see him. The coachman thought for a moment, then replied, Good, you may hide him. But, he said warningly, you must not betray the fact that I have given him to you. If the master should ever see him, you must say that you saved him from the river. Then he will give you a bad beating. That doesn't matter, cried Benjamin eagerly. As long as the little dog is allowed to live. The coachman laughed, removed the string from the neck of the dog, and Benjamin ran to the hut with him, patting him, kissing him full of joy. At evening when Benjamin's parents came home, 
he showed them the dog, and the parents also were happy because they had to be away from home all day and always feared that the little boy might go to the river, fall in and be drowned. But now he would stay near the huts with his playfellow, so that he might hide himself quickly in case the rich man might pass by. It was as though the little gray dog knew that Benjamin had saved his life. He did not leave the side of the little boy, abate him, and showed himself to be quite intelligent. Benjamin spoke to him like to a person, and the dog looked at him as wisely as though he understood every word. Benjamin's parents were young and strong, the best workers on the sugar plantation. Therefore the severe overseer was satisfied with them and beat them less often than he did the other slaves. On that account they were both, in spite of their hard life, satisfied, and in the evenings when they returned to their hut and their little Benjamin, all three of them were gay and happy. Benjamin's mother Hannah was also an excellent seamstress, she knew how to weave pretty baskets from reeds and rushes, and was a very good cook. One day the eldest daughter of the rich man, who lived with her husband in the north, come to visit her father. She was glad to see her old home again, and everything seemed to her more beautiful than in the north. She complained of the trouble she had in getting servants in the city. These whites are not nearly as desirable as the blacks, said she. They cannot be driven to work with whips. You should present me with a good slave, father, so that it will be more comfortable for me. My husband will be quite angry about it, for the people in the north are crazy, they claim that the blacks are also human beings, and that slavery must be abolished. But he loves me dearly, and will be glad if he sees me happy. The rich man thought a while and said, The young slaves that I own are all clumsy, incapable, the old ones of course could not become accustomed to living in a large city, and would be more trouble than help to you. Whom can I give you? He considered for a moment, then cried happily, Now I know, Hannah is just the right one for you. How could I forget her? Of course, she has a little boy. I don't want him, the daughter interrupted. My dear little son must not play with a dirty negro child. You can keep Hannah's son here. You are a good mother, my beloved child, said the rich man, moved. You always think of your son. Good, Benjamin shall remain here, and when you go back to the city tomorrow, I will give you Hannah to take along. I will immediately tell the overseer, so that he may tell her to be ready. And the rich man called a servant and bade him bring the overseer. Ah, what a sad night that was in the little hut of the Negroes. Poor Hannah hugged her little son close in her arms and cried as though her heart would break. Her husband Tom gazed at her with worried eyes and was so miserable that he could not say a word. Hannah kept looking anxiously toward the little window, trembling with the fear of seeing the first ray of light that meant that day was near when she would leave her loved ones. The little gray dog seemed to understand the grief of his friends, he nestled quite close to Hannah's coat, looking up at them with loving, clever eyes. Then Hannah cried loudly, If they sell you, too, Tom, what will become of our poor child? The little dog laid his paw on little Benjamin as though to say, Don't fear, poor mother, I will take care of him. Hannah noticed this, 
sobbingly patted the shaggy head of the dog, and said to him, Guard my little boy, you good dog. We are all as helpless and deserted as you. The following morning, poor Hannah, weeping bitterly, rode off with the young woman. Her family was not allowed to see her off, for Tom had to work in the field and Benjamin, like all the slaves, was forbidden to come near the house of the rich man. Little Benjamin lived through many sad days. His father was so unhappy that he no longer wanted to work, and many evenings he would return home with his back all bloody. Instead of the caressing and joy to which Benjamin was accustomed there was an unaccustomed silence in the house. Tom sat sadly on the ground, sometimes stroking sadly the woolly head of his little son, but never speaking. Only once in a while he would cry out, Hannah, and sigh deeply, while great tears rolled down his black face. And sometimes he would clench his fist, looking so angry that Benjamin took the little dog and crawled into a corner with him. The overseer was always unsatisfied with Tom, he complained to the master of the laziness and obstinacy of the slave. Had poor Tom known the results of his disobedience, he would have worked as industriously as he used to, in spite of his anger and unhappiness. The rich man celebrated his birthday. There was a great feast, chickens and calves and lambs were roasted, rich foods could be smelled all through the house, the servants brought countless bottles from the wine cellar. After supper the young guests danced in the large hall, the older men seated themselves at a table and began to play cards. The rich man had no luck, he lost again and again, until at last his purse was empty. One more game, said he to his friend who had won all the money, we will gamble for my strongest and best slave. And he thought to himself, if I lose Tom, that will not be a misfortune, for lately he is lazy and obstinate, anyhow. His friend agreed. The whole life and fate of a human being depended upon a few cards, a bundle of paper. The rich man drew a card, his friend did the same. They threw the cards on the table. The rich man had lost. When Tom came to work the following morning, the overseer told him to go to the house of the rich man, the master had sold him, and his new master would take him to his estate at once.